Ladies and gentlemen, this is At Home with Linda and Drew Scott. That's my sports announcer voice, which is very relevant for this week's chat with Daryl Morey, the GM of the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. He makes he brings out my inner athlete because I love, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I loved all sports. Did you play a lot of sports? I did volleyball, soccer, uh, cross country, and track. Okay. I could never get basketball. I just... I don't even think I tried out. Did I ever try out? Maybe well, once. Did they have that spot open for the bench warmer? Was that? Uh, no. no. <laughs> towel, towel gal. Um, I think uh, you actually would have been great because when I showed you how to play basketball when we were shooting hoops when we first started dating, you were getting shots right away. In fact, I think you even beat me at horse when we were playing. Yeah, I always beat you at horse. That's because you do like splits, jump, circle, and walk over layups. But I I just can't dribble the ball really. Yeah. Like I can't, I'm not coordinated that way. I can't like run and dribble. And like my brain's getting all tangled just thinking about it. It's funny seeing when you're doing that, it's funny seeing you try to concentrate, but you're, th- I can see so you thinking slow. to tell your hand to do one thing, but your hand's doing a different thing and you're so confused by it. Um, but I mean, I've, I've played basketball for so many years. It's sort of second nature for me. Jonathan and I playing on the team, you know, but it was fun for us to be able to play together. Pedro was on the team, our best friend as well too. And so it was basically, we didn't have a high school team and a bunch of our friends, we just got together and said, we need to have a team. And we went to the school and then one of the coaches came and coached the team. Is that Coach Shannon? Yeah, Mike Shannon. Nice. Who came to the wedding, which was really nice. It, it, for me, I love it when you have a relationship with people who helped form who you were at a young age and you stay in touch with them for years after school. So that was, what, almost, what, 20, over 20 years ago when I was in high school. And I'm still in touch with my basketball coach. I think that's awesome. We mm-hmm. were in Florence after our wedding and we were touring... The chapel. One of, uh, some chapel. And it was this tiny, tiny room and who happens to be behind us? Coach Shannon. Uh, of all the wife. places <laughs> that he could have been, he comes walking in. I, I heard his voice first. I recognize <laughs> his voice. Andrew. Yeah. Or he calls me Andrew. Is he Sly? He's Sly Stallone. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, make it to the top of the stairs. Um, no, it was, but for sport for me, I was always pretty coordinated. I think the coordination came from karate, doing karate from when I was seven years old and competing nationally. So I trained really hard, but that got me through the awkward phases. You know, when you're growing and you're, you know, you're getting more height, but you're not getting the coordination. Oh yeah, I know exactly how that feels. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I've seen little pictures of you when you're a little tiny baby Linda. But um, I didn't have the awkward phase because I think I did so much athletics that it kept me coordinated. Oh, in athletics, okay. I thought you were just gonna blanket statement you never had an awkward No. Phase. Are you kidding? I was totally suave on, in the dating life as well as my athlete, athletic ways. A- athlete's foot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've got, I was awkward as heck when it came to dating, but not in sports. What, were you like a player when you were in high school? Yeah, I was such a player. <laughs> you didn't even date in high school. No, I didn't. I just had crushes and then, and then I would just lose interest. Let me tell you how this works for Linda. So Linda would have some guy that she liked. Wait, how are we on this topic? We're talking about sports. Yeah, this is an important part of sports. Mm. Um, So Linda would see a guy that she likes and she really likes him. And then the guy would end up asking her out. He's some nice guy. She's interested. He says, would you like to go out on a date? And Linda would ignore him. 
That's a great strategy. I would ignore. I would just turn them down. Yeah, because I wasn't interested anymore. It was just like you weirdo, a crush, and then that—that's it. The crush because he comes to you, and then you're like, "I'm not interested anymore." Maybe that was an insecurity thing. No, probably. I, I'm teasing you about that, but I was even more insecure, and I was absolutely terrible. I didn't date at all in high school either. The sport of love. Tell me, what's your most awkward sport? What are you the worst at? Hmm. I mean, there's so many to choose from, but. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> Pinch you. Oh, okay. Not awkward, but just pitiful in chess. I suck at chess. And actually, we had Daryl Morey teach me how to play. And uh, I thought, this is great. I'm going to be a chess champion. Learning strategy. And then uh, I woke up and realized. Yeah. <laughs> well, for the record, I don't consider chess a sport, what? but I'll still take chess it. Chess is a sport. It's a mental sport. Yeah. Do you work up a sweat when you play chess? Some I I'm pretty sure I've seen you and Daryl work up a sweat. Oh well, when when we play table playing tennis, chess. I definitely work up a sweat. No, but. playing chess because okay. it's so intense. Yeah, I mean, I think enough talking about us sweating over chess. Let's jump right in with our chat this week. This is Daryl Morey. And just a heads up, this conversation was recorded before we were all in isolation. <laughs> Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices, like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not <laughs> mine. Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. I can feel the love bouncing off these walls, shining through the windows, reflecting like a rainbow. That's where we belong. Yeah, it feels like home. actually had some pretty cool experiences over the years. So we bonded originally over our love of ping pong, table tennis. Table tennis. We're yes, so good yes. that we, we call it we, table yeah, tennis. Yeah, we have to go highbrow. Yes, <laughs> table yes, tennis. table tennis. <laughs> which is in fact why I have my paddle right here. Nice. I always have it ready when I'm around Let you. Let me see this though. Oh, I'm going to okay. judge it. All right, Jula, <coughs> not bad. All right, okay. Okay, you approve? Yeah, now you can't blame you the paddle. You could probably have a little thicker sponge. So what I'll do actually is I have a really terrible paddle that I'm going to give you after this when we play so that I at least have half a Pips out chance. sandpaper. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's where it's flapping. <laughs> so originally I asked my team because we were filming down in Galveston. That's it, yes. Houston. So I had asked my scheduler to reach out to the Rockets because I wanted to come to a game, huge basketball nut. 
I uh, also had heard of you because you're like the money ball of basketball. You're the, the analytics guy. Just, I'm an, ana I'm an analytics guy. I can't speak English, but I'm an analytics guy. <laughs> but anyway, so I had reached out to your team, and at the same time, you had randomly tweeted yes, me, yes. hearing that we were in, in uh, uh, Texas. Yeah, and in yes. Houston, Galveston. And so I thought you were responding to the message we sent. But it was not. No, it, it was just randomly. Because we were, we were watching, we were like, oh, okay, he's in Houston, that's pretty cool. But you, I think you saw me, I posted something about yeah. playing ping pong. And so yes. you, you actually, it was nothing to do with basketball <laughs> at first, you just wanted to play ping pong. That's exactly right. It turns out the be, some of the best players in the country play in Houston. Not me, but... <laughs> oh, you're talking about basketball? Yeah, because no, also table basketball. tennis. Well, basketball too, yes. Also not me, he was the best basketball. But yes, we have James Harden, obviously <laughs> the best basketball player uh, in the world, in my opinion. And also we have Jimmy Butler, but not the one people think. Jimmy Butler, <laughs> the seven-time U.S. table tennis champion. So when you first said to me, hey, um, do you want to come down and play a little table tennis and then we'll watch um, the Rockets play? And I was like, this is awesome. And then you said, yeah, I have a couple of friends that play uh, table tennis, so I'll bring them down. Didn't realize you were going to bring the former y U.S. champion, or world, was he world champion? No, oh, yeah. unfortunately, U.S. not quite good no, enough but, to be world champion. So. But still, he's the former <laughs> he's U.S. champion, Jimmy Butler. Then I'm like, wait, the basketball player, Jimmy Butler, <laughs> is a world champion? I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and he's so young. And I you were so it. disappointed. Yeah, like, different. No, well, no. he still kicked my butt. No, actually, I was on. I was on uh, what your team. So you and I took on Jonathan and, and Jimmy, and Jimmy. we beat him. We so did I'm, win. Legitimately, I can say I beat the U.S. champion. champion. That's correct. And Tom Brady and myself together won six Super Bowls. So yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's really Amazing, great. Amazing, right? Good yeah. for you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I, um, That's my analytics. For the yeah. yeah. Suddenly, my my uh, view of your analytics uh, went <laughs> down a little, a little bit. Skewed a little bit yes. So, what is it about um, sport that you're obsessed with, whether it's table tennis or or basketball or anything else? Well, that was on your your goal list, right? To oh, you, to did own? you yeah? Did you was see it, that? Yeah, <laughs> I had this like in the old school Facebook uh, when when I went to college. I'm too old. Uh, you actually had a paper Facebook yeah, at Northwestern. Yeah, I had goals of yeah owning a team or running a team. Uh, uh, people can find my embarrassing picture <laughs> if they look on, on that. But what I, I mean, I love competition. To me, it's the original reality show. Like, you know, people talk about reality TV as this new, you know, wave, not new, but in the last 20 years, taking over TV. But sports was the original reality show. You don't know the outcome. Uh, it's competition. Uh, and I love, you know, I love winning. So I, I would say, <laughs> I would say, as you've seen in our table tennis matches, uh, uh, for sure, no one takes it easy on anybody. And you're better uh, than me, but when I do score on you, I can see the frustration <laughs> in your face. Oh yeah, you guys are both sweating. <laughs> but uh, that actually formed my my love. That actually formed bringing it back to table tennis a little bit in my basement in my home growing up in Ohio. Uh, we had a beat-up table, nothing as nice as what you have next to me here. And we would, I mean, there wasn't much to do. There's no internet. There was, you know, so we would go down the basement with my good friends, Jeff and Terry and my brother, Lance, and we would play table tennis for like seven hours and listen to Meat Loaf and Pink Floyd <laughs> and, and terrible music the whole time. So that that's pretty much all you could do in Ohio. And so the, Meat Loaf and table tennis have shaped your life. That, that is correct. I do love Meat Loaf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mostly because Jim Steinman, the composer. And then so how um, you, you had this goal to mm -hmm. run a team or own a team, 
and then you worked with the Celtics, and then mm -hmm. you came over to the Rockets. Was that Correct. direct path? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I couldn't. So you mentioned Moneyball of basketball. I worked with uh, the, one of the key figures in Moneyball, Bill James. If, you, if people remember the movie, he's the guy with the big beard who gave all the ideas to Brad Pitt yeah. in the movie. So I worked with him in the 90s. Uh, he was big into baseball. Um, and along with some other folks at Stats, we started the basketball part of Stats, Inc. And then I tried to work in... I tried to work in sports, but no one would hire me. So that was more I had to get, I was like, I have to get rich to buy a team. Of course, hmm. I didn't succeed at that, but I did I did get, had serendipity came and I was, while I was working at an investment bank consulting firm, uh, I was able to, uh, I worked on the Celtics and the purchase of the Celtics. Yeah, so. Now, why wouldn't people work with you? Is it because they're not used to seeing the approach coming from the analytical side as opposed to the, the team, the individual player talent side? Yeah, absolutely. So people, <clears throat> the use of data to help you make better decisions, get better players, have better strategies on the on the field was pretty much not done. It was mm -hmm. starting to come into baseball, and if folks who saw Moneyball, you saw how they had to break in. It was similar. It was similar in basketball. And in 96, when I was looking for a job in sports, yeah, nobody really knew what to do with someone with my background. I, computer science major, data, focused on data. Uh, it was always just former players and things like that who would get into sports. So now you're with the Celtics. Yes. You helped with the purchase of the Celtics. Yes. And then you were there for three years as an SVP. Yes. And then you shifted Well, into, you've done your homework. That's trying good. to a little bit. <laughs> That's yeah. good, yes. But again, too, I'm the analytics guy. Yes, yes. Um, so then from there, you, you were able to shift into an assistant GM position over with the Rockets. How that, did that happen? That's correct. Yeah, so... Um, the former owner of the Rockets, Leslie Alexander, he had seen Moneyball and was a very smart Wall Street guy, had used data in his life, and he had owned the team for about 10 years. And I think right at that moment, he was like, look, we've got to do something better and different. We need to take a different approach, almost like in the movie Moneyball by, you know, that Michael Lewis wrote about. And he went searching for, for a new person to run his place. And what was interesting is, he hired a headhunter, and she reached out to me to to get names that he might hire, but not to hire me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so it was very interesting. I was very young, so I was like, I thought it was reasonable I wouldn't be able to take over a big job like that. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. How about this person? How about this person? And they. So did you at that point? Did you think like, why don't they just hire me? Or I, I honestly, the Celtics weren't very good at the time. I was very unknown, and I was like, it's not my time yet. I was like 30, hmm. I think, yeah. and so I was like, I did not think they would interview me. I, for me, I was just like helping, you know, Buffy, who was the head hunter. I was like, hey, I'll help her find people. Mm -hmm. It didn't occur to me, but. I kept giving her names, they kept interviewing, and the owner kept hating them. <laughs> so she kept coming back to me, no, he doesn't like that one, what about, and she was doing other work too, but I kept feeding her names. And then, and then after about a year, she was like, you know what, he just wants to meet you. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, I'll find him. And again, I didn't know for what role necessarily. I went down, flew down at 9 a.m. and had the job at like one. Oh wow. Yeah, and you so he hired me. And because I was so young and what you mentioned, they said, look, we'll make you the assistant GM for one year, but with an agreement to take over as long as you can walk and chew gum and don't fall on your face. So, <laughs> so well, that's a pretty good agreement. Yes, yeah. exactly. So yeah, that was the that was how I got to the Rockets. So. That's amazing. And so um, in 
2006 or 2007? Six. 2006. And the Rockets have, since you have been with the team, they have never had a losing record. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's second best in the whole NBA. So that's amazing. That's yeah. um, it's unbelievable. It's it is its own movie. I want to produce and direct and star as Daryl Morey in the movie of your life, Changing the Rockets. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good movie. Well, we win the title, maybe. Although in Moneyball, the key moment was they had a winning streak. So, like, you know, we've had winning streaks. Yeah. So. I think I think I make this happen, and it will follow. There will be the divide where it follows the table tennis side of your life and the basketball side. No, there's a third side. You're obsessed with chess. I am obsessed with chess, yes. Uh, I love chess. It kind of makes sense with your brain and how, how it operates, but I remember I played you once and... Here. I, here, uh, yeah. yeah. I think you were like 15 moves ahead of me. <laughs> I, I did better than I thought I would do. Yeah, me yeah. too. I think we played as yes. well, and I, I made it two minutes. <laughs> Which have is you done, she thought you'd do 30 seconds. Have you done better since? I was trying to teach you some, some you know, basic stuff. You, you taught me a few things. I think I played Jonathan once, mm. and... I feel I won. I'm probably making this up because he's usually better at me, uh, better than me at chess. But um, but anyway, is it? What do you see when you when you're doing when you play something like chess? Mm-hmm. I know you're literally like 10, 10 moves ahead or something like that. But what is it you see? Are you like Rain Man and all of a sudden all of these? <laughs> it's like beautiful mind. All these yeah. images, yeah, beautiful mind. All these images come into your head. Or well, my goal is to make a chessboard something more than just a cool thing you see on your show. Like because it, it's a nice piece mm-hmm. to put in. It looks cool in the background. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I would say when you play a lot like I do, you, yeah, you just see rough patterns of, that come up over and over, almost like. When you're designing a home, I'm sure you see like this space, like you can almost see immediately, like here's how it could initially. Then you have to really do the details, but you see these high level patterns. And yeah, when you play chess or any game or even James Harden in basketball, um, the game starts to slow down and you start to see these patterns as you do it over and over, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, remind me too, basketball, when did you play? I did. I played in high school. I was, oh, high I was good in high school, but not, not, not. Uh, I okay. could not make the Northwestern basketball. Team. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say like for for Harden. I bet when he's coming down the court, because he he cuts through people like it's slow motion. Oh, Whereas absolutely. you see some players, they're fast. They're extremely fast when they cut through. But he looks like he's literally half. Like like just walking or speed walking through people. James is playing chess out there, which I'm glad you brought it up because. He's not just seeing the first man he has to beat. He's so good, he knows he's going to beat the first yeah. guy. He's like, okay, if I beat this first guy, is this guy going to help or that guy? If that guy helps, right, then this guy's going to rotate over. And he he sees, like, it's almost like playing chess for him. And it's going really slow for him, to your point. But for a younger player who's trying to defend him, he's just like, holy shit, like, it's all it's all happening. And that yeah. that's his genius. He's the best one-on-one <laughs> player, you know, you can argue in NBA history. Uh, he for sure has scored, he scores more points as a one-on-one player than any player ever, that's for sure. And so. how did you see that in James? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, people ask me that all the time. So he was in Oklahoma City, and he was coming off the bench because he was behind two great players in Durant and Westbrook. And we watched him and said, hey, he looks very good. But the whole league did that. The league is very good. What maybe stood out is that we had the data that said, people were saying, how, how good can he be? He's coming off the bench, right? Mm-hmm. But we could isolate the times when he was 
on the floor without Durant, without Westbrook, and how well he did as to extrapolate how he'd do with our team. Because we were a, a rebuilding team at that time. We still mm-hmm. never had a losing season, but we didn't have a, we needed yeah. a, a James Harden to make our engine run. And we had the data that said that he was already flashing in Oklahoma City as three, four standard deviations to the right of the best players ever at beating someone one-on-one. And again, everyone saw he was good. It's just we had to say, okay, he's so good, we're going to give up whatever it takes to get him. And that was before he had a beard. He'll no, be, he'll no, he better had, with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> he had a beard his second year at Arizona State. I think. Oh, okay. Uh, and 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 everyone wants to make it a big thing, but he'll tell you himself it was just because he got sick of shaving. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So. No, I. What being, did you add yours? Being a man with a beard, I've had this now. I call this my James, uh, <laughs> or, or my Daryl. Yeah, but I, I've had this for uh, what a year and a half, yeah. a year, yeah. somewhere. But I'm about yeah. a year now too. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I started actually. It's a little interesting. I started when. James started scoring 30 a game, and he set the all-time record. And I said, I'd shave it when he stopped scoring 30. But then I liked it so much, I just kept I like it. it. Yeah, I yeah. like it. So I, I made did. it 20, and he's never been below 20. So um, I think, uh, like, watching... I love basketball. I wanted to be in the NBA when I was a kid. That was my, my goal. Let, let's analyze yeah. Drew. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Athletic. I think, you know, so I didn't play all of high school. I picked up basketball for the first time at the end of grade nine because I, I had a big growth spurt. I went from about, I think I was around 5'9 or 5'10 to about 6'2 within mm-hmm. one year. And so the end of grade nine, I remember I used to come out and see people playing basketball at lunch, and I'm like, I want to try that. So I started picking up and playing a little bit, and I realized... I was in a karate background, I was athletic, and people were dunking, and I thought it was the most amazing thing. Seeing Michael Jordan and that poster of him from the foul oh, line. Yeah. So I'm like, I wanna do that, so I practiced and practiced, and, and I dunked for the first time at the end of grade nine, and I'm like, I'm only in grade nine and I'm dunking, imagine what I could do by the time I'm grade 12. For some reason, I never played high, sc- uh, high school basketball until grade 12. So from nine to huh. from, from grade, ni- from grade nine, to nine to 12, I just would play Did you do time. other sports or? Uh, I played volleyball in grade 10 and then okay. I You were did probably karate. very good at volleyball. because I had yeah. good hops. And also our school from my grade uh, 10, 11 year, they didn't have a basketball team because there weren't enough players at our school. And so finally the great, in grade 12, a bunch of us said, Canada's the hot team. spot for basketball. There's some yeah. great players. Yeah. Didn't it yeah. start in Canada? Yeah, I think well, you started basketball in Canada. Nate, so that's the rumor. Yeah. I started basketball in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I taught yeah. Naismith everything he knows. <laughs> no, You're right, though. It did, like in Toronto, I think. Well, no, yeah. no, no. Naismith is from Canada, but oh. he, he started in a, a college down in the U.S. He was a, he was oh, a really? coach down there. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. This is what I know. Yes. Um, but anyway, so high school, I played. Um, our team was very raw. A lot of us had never played before, not mm-hmm. for years. But we were, our average height was six foot three, I think. It was a very tall team, very athletic team, but we ended up doing well. We were uh, in Canada, you know, you have your, your single, double, triple A. And we were a double A team, and we started playing against triple A's and, and winning. Mm. But we didn't make it um, past the, um, the first round in our playoffs. But it was fun. I loved it. And I started get, I had hops. I had a 43 inch vertical. When I played basketball, I had a giant. You know that's vertical. insane. Right? It's insane. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. I could touch my head on a ten. <laughs> but you did you uh, did you short arm it? There's ways to cheat the test. No, right? no. But that's what I was laughing. <laughs> so you know how they do your vertical? You jump as yeah. high as you can, and, yeah. and right, and then you and then they measure 
Like the top how of your hand? high yeah. you are. So if you do this, it'll increase your vertical. I didn't, so. my, my way of, of proving that that was my vertical is that I could touch my head on a 10-foot rim. And so that's like, amazing. there's an easy you way to Gerald just Green. go from my head up. Well, I was tall. I have super long arms. So when I would play, they would have me play against um, some of the bigger guys, the centers. But I was faster than them, but they would think that they'd dominate me, yet my reach was bigger than theirs. So Didn't you used to wear the, uh, what are the... Jump soles. Remember jump soles? Nice. Yeah, they're coming <laughs> back. Did you see oh, that? No. Yeah, they're, they're finding like some new technology on the, uh, the soles where they put, yeah, little springs in the, in the it's, soles. It yeah. helped me. I, I did that out of high school. I did that for uh, like a three to six month period. I would be up at the track um, training. And so at this gym that I used to work at, Lindsay Park, it was where a lot of Olympic athletes trained. And I would be up on the track and there are all these Olympic hopefuls that are running the track. And then there's me with these shoes that have a giant platform on the front of them. <laughs> I, they look like these super special shoes. To, it was like literally like a four This is why you dominate the celebrity game whenever there, you're in there it. There you yeah, go, yeah. yeah. I hope I'll play again this year. That'd be, that'd yeah. be fun, but. Well, if they want real celebrities, they'll have you, so. Well, thank you, thank you <laughs> If they want real celebrities, they'll have Linda yeah. play. And real hops. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. Over your career, what's been the most exciting accomplishment? Yeah, I would say the, the, the biggest ones that I'm most proud of, hopefully in a year I can say it's winning the title this year, but uh, we won 22 games in a row, which was oh uh, actually statistically harder than winning the title. It's, uh, wow. It was the second longest streak at the time, and <coughs> our team was like not great. It was just good. So the way they came together, and then uh, getting to the uh, conference finals twice and being up three to two against, I think, arguably the best team ever, the Warriors. We were up three to two to go to the NBA Finals, and then uh, Chris Paul unfortunately got uh, had his pulled his hamstring, and uh, I thought we still we still almost got him. We were up seventeen in both games to beat him, but uh, credit to them, they were a great team, and they they yeah. took us out. But though, yeah, those the twenty two game winning streak and getting to the conference finals twice, yeah. Well, you had, I mean. Like you said too, just having a streak that long, or even just in general having your whole career with the Rockets, where it's always a winning streak. Like that's or always a um, a winning. When I say, I would also say never having a losing season because the NBA is built uh, in a strange way. Where um, let's let's say somehow you you, uh, you launch a new show and. For the first time ever, it's a, it's not a it's not a hit immediately, right? It's just it's a bad show. In the NBA, that bad show would get handed millions of dollars mm. because you were the worst and you need help to right. improve. So that's basically what happens every year. The NBA, the worst teams, the ones that are not run well, the ones that have done the worst, get handed like the big biggest asset, which is like the top pick in the draft. But, but in in reality, though, I mean. Being one of the top teams, I can understand that being a frustration, but I would think that that's actually a great thing because it's it's always sort of helping at some level. level. Yeah, level the playing field. And 
You it, hope that they manage that money well and they manage the players and, and the dynamic well so that they can become more competitive. It makes sense in the macro because you want the teams that are down and out to have hope, right? Yeah. You want them to have hope, but um, but but as a competitor, it's frustrating. Yeah. Just, it would be like, again, it would be like if yeah, whoever your nemesis on TV is, if they automatically were put to the top of the ratings chart overnight just because they were bad one year. So Yeah, and, and I can understand that. I mean, if you are really working hard, you're doing things well, you kind of feel there's... A benefit to being rewarded a little bit for that. Yes. I guess there are other ways of being rewarded, especially through um, fan engagement and and you know attendance and, and whatnot at games. Has yes. it always been that way? That that structure. Yes, process? it's always been that way. They've tried to make it better. It used to be because the top pick <laughs> in the NBA draft is the most valuable asset in mm -hmm. all sports. Uh, Generally, our top players matter more than in other sports, mm -hmm. and they generally come through the college drafts, and you know uh, that's where every every NBA player you can name as a top player has come in the top few picks of the draft, basically. And so, what they've done to try and make it so people don't just intentionally lose is they put a lottery in, so that even if you're the worst team, you don't get the top mm. pick for sure and things like that. But it's it's still the case that if you perform very poorly, you'll get this great asset, and, and we've had to sort of push against that headwind uh, to maintain a winning record every year. And so how's the uh, Westbrook um, adventures going? It's, it's been incredible, because I don't know if you've had a chance to watch this, but he, he brings a whole new element. Like, the shot clock's 24 seconds. James is probably the best player from second, uh, you know, uh, 15 down to one that's ever been on offense in the league. And Russell's maybe the best ever from 24 to 15. So we've done this unique thing where we almost are splitting up the shot clock. Russell is the fastest guy I've ever had on a team. And he gets up the floor, puts pressure on the defense early. They have to collapse. He gets the ball to wide open shooters. So on offense, he's been, he's been a, a great fit. And then defensively, uh, our offense is top in the league again. Defensively, we're still average, so we're trying to get that better. Uh, but there's just a ton of potential, and it's still early. And now, how, what's the dynamic between uh, James and Russell? Because back in the day, James mm -hmm. was the bench player behind Russell, and yes. now they're the you know yeah the, yes exactly they're they're sort of co superstars for us, and you know Russell's like. Everyone, all superstars get these sort of different reputations, but whenever I've had them, they've been wonderful people, and Russell's no different that, like, he, he just wants to win. One nice thing I have about our team is they're all about 30. I think we average around 30. We're the oldest team in the league, and oh, wow. all of them have accomplished everything in life <laughs> except winning, so they don't, they don't, they're not worried about money. They're not worried about fame. They're not worried about anything, but winning the title, and, and that focus uh, is, is really a, a good focus for a team. There is one thing that Russell's worried about. Uh, when it, well, besides winning the title? Yeah. What's that? Anybody seeing him in a photo that isn't the most stylish <laughs> man on the planet. He is, is the true. most stylish so man in the NBA. Are you jealous of Russell? I, I am jealous. I Did he dress you? Because that's a nice jacket. He was, Well, he put me in a James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> that's his new line. It's called the, the James. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, yeah. I, um, but I actually, like, he, I, he is very fashionable, yeah. He is. I think this is, um, I mean, I enjoy watching you guys play. You guys, it, it's like art on the court. Like, not trying to, you know, toot your horn a little bit there, but it really is. And I honestly think, you know, everything we see out there, it, what fascinates me the most is it comes down to you and the analytics. Well, obviously, the whole, the whole franchise, everybody works hard. Um, the coaching staff work hard. Yes. But, 
the way that you analyze how to shift positions, change people um, on the court, that fascinates me so much because you can grab yourself an extra, you know, a uh, few points here and there, um, stop, uh, stop a few plays here and there from the other team just by the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. That's been a big focus. And one nice thing is with the coach D'Antoni, who we brought in uh, almost four years ago now, he's like the partner we've been waiting for who is so smart. He can also take all the information we have and integrate it into what he's done his whole life. He's an older coach, but he's has a great background of coaching in Europe and overseas. So he's always been an innovator. And now we're able to give him this base of information. And he is so creative, he's taken it and making it even better. And that's why we've had the number one offense in the league yeah. the last couple of years. So. And, and so, I mean, that, that's going to be a dream, like having a basically a sidekick that can the two of you can play off each other on, on that analytic side. Yes. Did, did you get that? Was it how you were raised? Like, t- tell us about your, your childhood a little bit. Was it how you were challenged with siblings or friends or...? Well, I had two brothers. We... And, Basically grew up in Ohio uh, from age 5 to 18. I went from kindergarten to high school, end of high school, in one one school system, which is pretty rare. And uh, it was very rural Ohio. It's not rural as much anymore, but it was at the time. Lots of... Uh, Lots of fields and things like that. And uh, we had a great neighborhood. To your point on loving competition, between my brothers and the neighbors, Jeff, Terry, all the people around us, we just had Jack. We had like a, uh, we had a hoop in front of our, our house. And my neighbor, Jack, was probably the best player in our high school's history, which isn't saying a whole lot, unfortunately, but, <laughs> I could but, but he was at the time, and he would come over, and he was a couple years older than me, and he would just kill me every day. But that's how I got better. He would come over, and every day, he would basically kick my ass, and, <laughs> and I would, that's how I got better every single day, and... Uh, you know, it was it was it's definitely a different childhood than people have now. I mean, but but I read as a child though you you were already good with numbers and you would take advantage of the other kids because you would outsmart them on uh, mentally. So well, I did two things on that. One is we would play a game, uh, basically called basically stratomatic baseball, right? And in the neighborhood we would all play, and that's a very numbers. Wait, hold on a second. Stratomatic yeah. baseball. You say, you say that like everybody knows what that is. Yeah, you know, you know good old stratomatic <laughs> baseball. Well, we, we all used to play. We played different versions. There was one's called All Star Baseball with the spinners. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Some people have seen it where you have cards and then stratomatic. Oh yeah. And then we played one called Earl Weaver baseball once computer came in the Commodore and as a group we would play and I that's how I got my love of numbers which was how to like construct my baseball team to beat everyone in town and then I took it from there and then I was run I was running like a bookie operation in high school <laughs> and it turns out like I was bad at it. I would like set lines on the football games because people loved football the most around there with the Browns and I would set lines and you know take a take a vig and all this and it turns out that like being Vegas is hard. Like like so I would actually lose money <laughs> running numbers with my friends. But that that taught me a lot of valuable lessons, how to forecast, how to do things. So I think just like just like you guys, uh, I was doing some crazy stuff in high school, basically. So. That's it. Well, yeah, you you kind of figure out what you're good at and you you go after it. I mean, Jonathan and I, we always had that gift of the gab. Linda, growing up, she was this natural artistic genius. Even though you might not think so, but she didn't even do a single art class, and you could, you should. Oh, you see, it's usually she better because you get training early, and it like puts you in a box. Yeah, and, yeah. 
make you color within the lines. Yes, yeah. exactly. You don't, don't want that. So. That's why we're we're a great duo because uh, Linda he's and the I, analytical brain. Yeah. Yes, she's the creative <laughs> brain, but together, and then, but she'll she'll work on something that's mind blowingly creative, but she'll never fully implement it. Where I come along, I'm like, all right, let's, let's do make this, this happen. Yeah. So. That's yeah. how I am too. Yeah, um, Ellen is uh, my wife is very creative, and I'm always like, do this, do that, this. She's like, I just want to enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's and I'm like, we can turn into this, and we can turn into <laughs> oh my that. God. You, you and Ellen are so Linda and me. But the thing yeah. is, for for some people, that slow pace is enjoying. Not for me. Like like I enjoy making things happen and creating something new and seeing a passion project come to fruition. Like that's. Huge enjoyment out of that. I love, just after we met you, was it even at that first game? Ellen brought us, um, she, she crocheted. It was the next game, oh. yeah. She, she crocheted, so, crocheted yeah. Jonathan and the, Drews. The, the brothers. So. Yeah. yeah so. She's so talented. Yes. We had a lot of people um, actually on. Then you turned it into assembly line and you made like a thousand of those. <laughs> yeah. But See? Ellen See? made the first two, basically. Yeah. For your book, right? They were so great. Well, that's what fans started saying. They love it. And we were just launching one of our books. And we're like, well, why don't we do some of these for our book? So, yeah, I guess she's the original Property Brother, Property Sister crocheter. (laughs) Well, she just made a bunch of baby Yodas. I don't know if you saw on Instagram. Oh, my gosh. holding them. But, uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everyone wants. Well, so, but, yeah. So, apparently, Disney didn't... Anticipate how much people would want yeah. them, so now yeah. they're 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 Scrambling. they're hot. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, she got the pattern from one of her friends and Allison, and and took off from there. Oh, that's, so. that's, that's amazing. Awesome. So, with your analytical brain, do you apply that in your personal life, or yes, do you like try in, not to? Or does that no, cause problems applying <laughs> in your personal life? We apply it maybe too much in scary ways. I'd say the best example of that is in naming our kids. So the analytics that went into naming our kids was off the chart. It had to be it had to be five letters because all of our names have five letters. It had to be a name that was popular exactly 25 years ago because our thought was that when they want to go get a job, all the people that are hiring will have the name their name basically. Oh my so gosh! That, so we made sure. So Karen's got her both popular names about 20 25 years ago. Um, and then also we, 41 we, years ago, Scott, for me. As, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could have Scott Scott. Would there, be, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> would be good. Um, but uh, yeah, no, there's a whole 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 set of things. You know, we don't you don't want the name to be able to be shortened. Like I hate women's names like Allison that get shortened to Al. You know, so you it always gets shortened to one syllable. So you want to make sure the name can't be shortened in a way you don't like. So Scott can really be How shortened. would be rhymed? What does it mean? I mean we had a whole spreadsheet and uh, and then we had our friends <laughs> do a crowdsourcing on it. Oh my it. gosh, you crowdsourced it. <laughs> oh we didn't crowdsourced it and yeah, Karen and Is Scott that were called picked. Analytics, or is that called obsessive compulsive? I think. Well, she's a little bit obsessive compulsive, and I'm a little. Yeah, I'm very. Uh, you figure you're gonna have to say this name like That's thousands true. of times. So, like, do you say like Scotty? Is that? Well, so actually, when he was a kid, we just called. He was this really cute fat baby. We just called him Baby Scott because her Aww. daughter, uh, my daughter, was older. And and he was baby Scott until he was like five because baby like Scott. that's just what she was like baby Scott baby Scott. Did you ever call Karen Care Bear? Yes, they did. Uh, I did. I, I know the analytics failed. I did not. Think you didn't anticipate that. But, but Care Bear's nice though. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Karen means like virginal. So I mean like. 
That's the meaning behind it. What a good meaning behind yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I wanted Scott to have more of a meaning. It just means like you're from Scotland. What's the, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> exactly. What's, uh, so I, I was named after the patron saint of Scotland. Oh, okay. Uh, and so Andrew Alfred Scott is my full name. Alfred's my my oh, I didn't my mom's know that. dad's name. Alfred. Uh, yes. Is that, is that Alfred. news? Does that, does uh, most people don't know. I, I don't talk about my middle name much. My initials are ass. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, did that you look at initials too? When you were playing video games, yeah, we well, no middle names. So oh. we, we didn't want middle names, and uh, and yeah, so no, no one in our family. Ellen got rid of her middle name when she got married, which made her mom really mad at her. Well, yeah. That's interesting. Where did her middle name come from? Uh, I don't know. I think it was like a grandmother or yeah. something. Yeah. So Gertrude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so what would wow. I wonder what Linda? I wonder what Linda means. Do you know? I don't know where, why they picked it, but... I'm pretty sure Drew means um, champion. Nice. Yeah, or just past you... tense of draw. Drew draw. <laughs> so, growing up, though, when, when aunt, my parents had also tried to look through what, what you know, offsets... Because everyone in my family is a J, Jonathan, mm -hmm. James, James okay. and Joanne. Right. And then I was a surprise baby. They didn't know I was oh. there. And so um, then I came as a surprise, and I'm like, well, uh, Andrew. Ja yeah, and so that, then they're like, well, what are some offshoots, and what can people say? And like, Andy, so Drew, or Andy Pandy, or Droopy, or. Oh, yeah, so you can go on forever. And, yeah. But at the end, I'm like, you, you, you gave me the initials ass, so it doesn't matter what you. What <laughs> you, you did said. not think ahead. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, parents. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> what your home dynamic, aside from overanalyzing the kids' names, um, how has it been with your schedule, having to be on the road a lot of the time, um, with having two kids at home? Well, I'm lucky because she's a big sports fan. So her honeymoon was at the Olympics uh, in '96, oh, wow. and uh, um, she gets sports. Uh, most of the other uh, folks at the Rockets who are married, which is most of them now, um, a lot of their wives have trouble. They're like, "Why can't you come home?" And like. Whereas Ellen will be like, oh, I saw you lost that heartbreaker. I, I can tell you're not going to be home tonight. Uh, so she's, she's like gets what is happening because she was a massive sports fan growing up. She loved the 86, nice. the Mets growing up, and they, they won the championship. And she's a very positive fan because yeah. the Mets came back in this dynamic way that's famous where the ball went through Bill Buckner's legs against the Red Sox. And so she is a constant believer that it's always going to turn out. It's going to happen, yeah. Yeah. Yes, and it yeah. balances me growing up in Cleveland, and we have, we're famously that our teams always lose in these heartbreaking <laughs> ways. So yeah. Yeah, it's been good. So when you do get home, are you able to turn it off so that you can just... Relax with the family. No, or is it hard we just to talk do? about it, and that's so. That's why it's good. She likes sports because yeah. she's actually interested in like what we're what we're trying to what we're trying to do. Okay, you know that didn't work. What are you guys going to do? So she actually is. She helps me like uh, come up with ideas. And oh, nice. Days yeah. over when I come home and talk about sports. No, I I find it <laughs> fascinating because I obviously do not have a background in in any sports. But I love going to live games, any game. The energy is. Yeah. The energy is yeah. awesome. Yeah, and yeah. also for me, which you know this when I sat with you, um, it, I just, the way sporting events are structured, like the, again, the, the back side of it, the business side yeah. of it, yes. is what really fascinates me too, on top of the talent on the court. So I sit there. And I'm looking at everything else happening more than just what's happening on the court. Well, I know you're a basketball junkie because you come to summer league games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, we have these summer league games. Well, you want to see those. No, no, I want to see yeah. those. I'm like, okay. That was fun. Yeah. The so. thing I look out for the most at sporting events is uh, the interaction between the teams mm -hmm. and to see the sportsmanship. 
Because mm. even though they're on opposing teams, I love seeing when they're like, you know, when they help each other up. If someone there's fell. a lot yeah. of that now. I love and that. Yeah. Actually, old school players hate that. Yeah. They like they like I don't want to be friends with them on the court or off. You know, and but nowadays because most of the players play on these select teams when they're younger, they're all friends even if they end up against yeah. each other. Mm. There's a lot more sportsmanship at the pro level than I, in the I love that. I mean, the way I played before, I was never like, I was a, a strong guy on the court and I played really hard, but I was always respectful of the other players. If I fouled somebody, I would help them up or I would, I would apologize. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, you still carry yourself in a way that's not gonna make you look weak to the other team. Right, like that's, right. at least that's what I, I did in, in, high, in high school and college, but I was always respectful and I think I was respectful to the, the refs as well, which allowed, I actually had more calls in my favor because yeah. I think I wasn't a jerk to the refs like a lot of players are. Working with the refs is an art. Uh, mm -hmm. Shane Battier probably did it the best of our end. And yeah, you have to befriend them in a way. And Linda wouldn't have liked me though. I was like sort of a ruthless, <laughs> whatever it takes sort of guy, and which I'm not super proud of. But yeah, I, I was always like a whatever, you know, Manipulate the rules, just whatever it takes to, <laughs> to win, win. We're gonna win somehow. So. I, don't, I don't say now. I don't see you being that, that kind of a ruthless person, but uh, yes, yes, maybe that's how you have that winning streak. Yeah, uh, actually, the people at the office make fun of me because we'll play like fantasy football, and I'll be like trying to set the rules up in a way that favors me, and they're like, well, "Don't you just want to win fair and square?" I'm like, "Yeah, but the rules are a big part of it." You're like when you go to an event, it's like a, a fun event with family and friends, and you set up like a little like Olympics. Uh, like sporting thing where you have a bunch of little games you play but the, it's always I find out there'll be one friend who's coordinating it and then they always put the best potential players on their team and everyone else are like the misfits yes. and it feels so much sweeter when you're on the misfit team and you still and you beat win. them and you yeah. still win it's yeah. great that yeah. happens in our summer runs James will play not only best player in our summer basketball, but also GM. So he'll literally like pick mm. the teams. It's not like where you pick, you pick, me pick. No, yeah. James just goes, you four, you're on my team. Oh. Everyone else over there. And he like takes the best four. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes that other team beats him and it's, uh, it's, a big, it's a big deal. But I always tell James he's a good GM. He just always, you know, takes all the best players. So, there, so does that mean he's going he's gonna go for your job once he retires? I mean, he can probably do anything. He's very smart. <laughs> Who knows what he'll do? But he'll, if he wants it, uh, a lot of former players don't like to go into like coaching or front office because it's uh, it's a grind. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not a uh, you know if, if I had you know he's going to end his career having made a half billion dollars or something more than that. If you if you have that, you know, you may not want to be going nine Grinding. to ten. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, actually, that's a uh, interesting thing to talk about as well. You look at some some players once they finish the, the adrenaline of the game and everything that happens. It's been such a big part of their lives, and even if it's kept them from their family or it's kept them from their spouse, um, there's something about that that they. I know they feel they lose they when they stop satiate playing. They can't satiate anywhere else. Yeah, and so then they try to get back into something that will still get them that feeling and still pulls them away from their family. I think it, that'd be tough. That's a great, you, you <coughs> described it really well. It's very hard to be a former player, I think. Like, because mm -hmm. yeah, your whole identity is caught up in one thing and then it just boop, ends. And you love, you love that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Shane Battier, for example, I, I thought. Uh, would have a smooth transition into his post career because he's a very smart guy, one of our, our uh, hardest working players, and he's he's he also took a little time to find his niche. I think he's found it with the Miami Heat now, but 
But he, you know, he tried broadcasting, he tried mm. some different things. I thought he'd have the smoothest transition, but even he, who's very thoughtful, he, he struggled with that post-career period, mm. it felt like to me. Well, you look at someone like um, Michael Jordan, for example. I mean, he, like, this is before, some, some of the dollars that players make nowadays compared to back in those days, it's completely different. However, he secured so many amazing contracts um, that it continued to grow. So whoever his business team was did an amazing job. I think it was the, him. I think he's a very smart <coughs> guy. Yeah. Well, you got your Nike and your, um, uh, is it Fruit of the Loom? Haynes, I think. There, Haynes, yeah. yes, I don't yeah. wear it, but Haynes. <laughs> you, but might anyway. get a, you might get a sponsorship, man. <laughs> yeah. So you're good. But I think what I heard is that he, you know, he doesn't do anything now in the sporting realm, really. He doesn't have any involvement, but what he does do is... He owns know. the Charlotte team, but yeah, he, that's, that's his involvement. But he lets yeah. his staff take yeah. the lead there. Uh, I would say, though, you made a good point, that the former players, because the money has exponentially grown, they they do have trouble with the money the current players make relative to mm-hmm. how it was when they played in the eighties and nineties yeah. and even seventies. It's it's just so, so different. It's hard for them not to see what they what they, they set up and became, but then they didn't see a lot of the rewards yeah. of that. Yeah. Has there ever been a time when your analytics worked against you? Oh yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. all the time. So Basically, all you're trying to do using data to make decisions mm-hmm. is you're trying to have a better batting average than everyone else. And the pe- the people with the best at batting average have like a 5% edge. So, yeah, uh, data can push you towards a certain player uh, and have it work out, not work out, right, just as much as it can push you to have it work out. What really matters is overall if you use data in your decisions, you're going to get a slight edge. If you don't, you're going to be a little bit behind. But for sure, there are times when we pick players, and you know, every all the maybe tra- traditional people looking at it say like that guy will never make it, and we do it anyway, and then it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it definitely work can work against you. Um, one thing that I have noticed, if you look at you as a GM compared to other GMs. Mm-hmm. Um, most are not really outspoken on social media, and most are not very active. But you love to interview. You love to be on camera. You love to share your um, take or your analytics. Um, why is that? Yeah, so we're an entertainment business. So that that fundamentally, um, you know, I think a lot of people in our business say like, okay, it's just wins and losses, wins and losses. But really, if you take a step back, we're about we're an entertainment business. We you know we have ratings, we sell tickets, we have, and. Uh, people feel connected to the team the more they feel connected to the people who are part of the team. So uh, I've always taken the approach from day one that uh, I was going to interact with the fans and, and, and be, be, allow them under the hood and just see how things are made. Uh, and so that's been a conscious decision from, you know, since 2006. So. Yeah, that's great. I, I love I that approach, great. yeah, because it's, you know, fan, as fans, you do invest so much of your energy uh, and loyalty to these teams. So I think for the people that are a part of the team, it's it's a great value for them to be a part of it. Yeah, people yeah. want to know, where am I putting my loyalty and my fandom in people I like yeah. and trust? And a lot of places it's a black box, right? And... Um, Sometimes that black box, when you when you open it up, people are like, "I don't really like, <laughs> yeah. I don't really like the people who are behind this team." And so I think when people root for the Rockets, they know, you know, they know what they're going to get. They're going to get a lot of winning basketball. I'm involved. Coach Antonio's involved. James Harden. They know what they're getting. And yeah. we have a very strong fan base. We're also very hated outside of Houston, <laughs> partially because of this, because we're so out there, because hmm. of that. 
we we get a lot of loyalty with our local fans, and they're the ones buying tickets, so that's yeah. who we care mm-hmm. about. But we also get very hated, sort of outside our but style. I mean, you get hated because you're good. Yeah, um, and, I and, hope so. And, and yeah. they, is that because they feel like you're revealing too much of the industry that they'd rather keep? Yeah, I think there's a whole set of reasons. One is, you know, we we push the boundaries on everything. We push the boundaries on how we play. We push the boundaries on how, uh, yeah, how open we are. We push the everywhere you look, we're pushing the boundaries. And whenever you're pushing boundaries, the people who are pushing boundaries sometimes go, I don't like how they're pushing boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like I like how it was. You You know, know, and what does that sound like? That sounds like everything in history. Uh, You have the sort of the conservative ways of things, how things have been done. Anytime there's change, there's a bit of an uproar, and then eventually people get used to it, and that becomes the new norm. And I I think uh, I love that you. It's almost like peeling back. The, the layer the a little curtain. bit, or the, the curtains, yeah, like pulling back the curtains. It's like what we do with our shows. Jonathan and I, Linda, we love our fans, and we don't mind giving them a little bit of peek behind the scenes and what's happening in our lives, and they truly appreciate it. And I think as long as you're pushing the boundary towards something better, right? then there's nothing wrong with that. Like when you're you know, on social media, you speak for equality and justice, and there's, mm-hmm. there should be nothing wrong with that. Definitely not. This has been my passion throughout my life on civil liberties, and I'm a big supporter of the ACLU. And I like that we got a lot of supporters when Trump got elected recently, that tons of people piled in the ACLU, even though it's been something I've done for a long time. But yeah, free speech, freedom of assembly. And then the biggest one I'm on, right, I'm very worried about our voting infrastructure mm-hmm. in the country. So my big cause with the ACLU right now is is making sure our voting machines are stable and not, uh, as a computer science major, mm-hmm. they're, I'm very worried about how hackable they are. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, making sure everyone who wants to vote can vote, like vo- voting, uh, no one's disenfranchised, things like that. And, so. and can you explain ACLU? Oh yeah, the American Civil Liberties Union. So look, Google it, uh, it's, it's the longest running and I think most important organization in the, in the United States for making sure that uh, you know basic basic rights that uh, people have in the United States it may basically defend the Bill of Rights so you can you know freedom of speech freedom of the press um, you know all the freedom of assembly all the basic things that we need you know if we don't like what our government's doing if we can't have free speech or freedom of assembly to protest, you know, things get bad quickly, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Well, one thing that I, you know, we, we asked earlier, what um, was one of your proudest moments of the year or something you're the most excited about? Something that could have been a frustration, but I also feel was a really great thing, was you tweeted supporting the people of Hong Kong and supporting human rights, and this blew up into um, China pulling out of the NBA, ending contracts, um, all these threats that they had, so explain a bit of that from your side. I mean, you know, in the end, NBA backed you and backed the, you know, it's, these were not their words, they were your words, but they still said that they support what you are standing for, equality and human rights. It blows my mind that a whole entity, a whole country could be so against giving people what everyone has the right, should have the right to, um, and blow everything up over a tweet. The fact that it was controversial is amazing to me. Uh, to me, it was just a part of my overall support uh, of of causes like that, both uh, both in the U.S. and internationally. So, uh, the NBA took the right approach, and um, uh, it it was definitely uh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's been an interesting time. So. Well, I think the best part of this is that it creates more conversation. It'll have more people talking, and that's how you start to get change in the right direction. 
And I, I already see that change happening, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm happy. So, Which is great. Well, this has been a lot of fun sitting down chatting. Um, I, I think we could chat for another hour, <laughs> but I'm looking at a ping pong table. I know. It's been calling to us. It's yeah. calling to us. So I think, um, Linda, you're on your own on the couch because... Well, I'm, I'm well, going to challenge the champion. Wait, what are you, you talking about? You're talking about? You're I'm going to challenge the, the winner. No, yeah. I meant... Um, <laughs> Oh, if you, if you look I guess at the, now I'm on the couch. Yeah, no, I think you're on the couch tonight. If you look tonight. at the, the lineage and the uh, analytics, right. I think I have a good chance of... of no, this is a good story. You go and play Daryl. I'll watch him play. I'll make some notes on his um, go-to moves, and then I'll beat him for the You finals. noticed when we played Akeem Olajuwon that, that one time who the coach was. Yeah, uh, Do you remember the coach who helped you out? That, this recently. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. What's, what's yeah. her name? Uh, Hui, yeah, she's from. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, she's a former. She played for China. She, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. And I need. She coached Linda up, and then I know the next time oh, I came and played Linda, I'm like, where did you learn that move? Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, she taught me how to hold it properly. We, <laughs> we have That's always a good step. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. All right, hey, thank thanks. you. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me.